Hello and welcome to Mashley at the Movies. I am Matt. I am Ashley. And we have a special episode today. It is a tribute to screen legend Olivia de Havilland, who passed away uh, close to a week ago, July 26th, uh, at the age of 104. And she's been one of our, I guess you could say, one of our favorite actresses. Uh, certainly, you know, someone who had a long career, 53 years, uh, 1935 to 1988, as far as her active acting credits go. Um, born in 1916 in Tokyo. And yeah, had a, had a long life uh, and an interesting career. And so we thought we'd, we'd take a moment to talk about her. And we had just um, kind of dedicated our last uh, episode of uh, Criterion series uh, at the beginning of July to one of her movies, The Heiress, uh, which was also, uh, you know, her birthday was July 1st. So uh, Ashley, uh, why don't you kick us off and uh, talk about like one of your favorite movies. Okay, well, I first came um, to be aware of Olivia de Havilland, I think, like, probably a majority of people um, through her role in Gone with the Wind as uh, Melanie Wilkes. Um, so, you know, Gone with the Wind is, is a movie that's kind of uh, rich in uh, controversy at the moment, but the, there's no denying that the, that the movie itself is, is very well made, and it's very well acted. It had... Um, Numerous Oscar wins and nominations for its uh, for its cast. Um, Olivia de Havilland was nominated for her role as Melanie. Um, she didn't win. She lost to Hattie McDaniel, the first African American um, woman to win a to win an Oscar. Um, but the performance that Olivia de Havilland gives is great, and it's what I it really stood out to me the first time I saw Gone with the Wind. Um, the character is she's like from another world she's so kind and sweet and selfless I feel like it's a very tricky role to play because it could be completely unbelievable you know the character is uh, she's a a good foil to Scarlett O'Hara who is the the main character who is pretty much the opposite of all those things Um, but Olivia, uh, Olivia Havilland manages to portray Melanie with all those traits and also completely believable. Um, yeah, because there's just a sincerity to it, and there's 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 a level of of knowingness. Like she's all of these things, but she's no simpleton. She is not naive. She knows what she's doing. She's a strong woman. Um, I, I really love that character, and I really love that performance. And it stood out to me the first time I saw the movie, and it, it's really what made me look to Olivia de Havilland when I was kind of, you know, looking to see other movies from the classic era. I really sought out her movies. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's my... Gone with the Wind has never been one of my favorites. Sure. Uh, it, <laughs> I have, I, I've almost actively disliked it. I think it's a well-made movie. I don't think anyone can really argue with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's very sumptuous and epic mm-hmm. in a sense, but it romanticizes the Old South. Sure. And I've and I've not been comfortable with that or its depictions of several of its African-American characters. Mm-hmm. So this has been not been a movie I've ever cared for very much. Right. That said, you know, um, I think the acting is good in it. Uh, Clark Gable's great. Uh, Olivia de Havilland, everything you said about her is great. She's one of the, hi- the highlights. Um, something else that's kind of put me off about Gone with the Wind over the years is uh, people really, there's been certain people, I should say, that really seem to just 
gush over the Scarlett O'Hara character. Mm-hmm. And I get it. Vivian Lee is the female co-lead, you know, with, with Clark Gable. Uh, but it's, it's just a terrible, awful character. <laughs> no one should ever want to be Scarlett O'Hara. No one should ever <laughs> idolize her. No one, you know, and it, she's just terrible. Meanwhile, Melanie is, is, is all those things you just talked about. She's a great character. Unfortunately, I don't. I feel like a lot of people don't talk about her very much um, these days. But yeah. she's she's a great character. Um, so backing it up a uh-huh. year to uh-huh. 1938, I know there's one of your favorite movies, period. But it also features Livy de Havilland. Why don't you talk about that? All right. Yeah. So just the year prior to uh, Gone with the Wind, she made one of her many films that she made with Errol Flynn, which was um, The Adventures of Robin Hood. It is one of my favorite movies. Um, it's just you know. It's beautiful to look at, the beautiful Technicolor, um, the production values are, are wonderful, um, Errol Flynn is dashing as Robin Hood, and Olivia de Havilland is um, beautiful and wonderful as um, Maid Marian. Um, yeah, that's, that was another one on my list of, of movies that I, I just really cherish that she's in. Um, you know, it was, like I said, I think she made eight movies with Errol Flynn, and it was one of those, it's one of those movies that, you know, it's a role that could easily have just been, a, you know, a damsel in distress role, not much there. But anytime she plays even that kind of role, I feel like she elevated it a little, a little bit. Um, but, you know, even, even so, she found those types of roles restrictive. And, you know, I don't know if we're going to get into the whole... Um, legal challenge that she made but coming this, up next yeah but this kind of this and this kind of role has kind of led to that challenge ultimately um, but like I said if you watch all those Errol Flynn Olivia de Havilland movies um, they're not the most they're not the meatiest roles but she always does everything she can with them and they're always fun to watch yeah well, so yeah, you, you kind of referenced it, but um, heading into the 40s, early 1940s, she um, made a name for herself uh, outside of just purely her acting when she stood up to Warner Brothers Studios. Um, for those unfamiliar, um, back in the day, uh, an actor was, uh, an actress, whatever, they, were, they signed studio contracts and they were pretty much bound to those studios to make movies for however long, however many years there their contract was. Uh, they could sometimes get, you know, quote-unquote, loaned out to another studio to make a movie, but they kind of had to have permission to do that. Mm-hmm. It's not like, not like how things are set up today, per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was in 1943, um, Warner Brothers, she thought she was done with her Warner Brothers contract, but they told her, no, we're going to extend it by, by six months um, because they had suspended her earlier for, for something. And so she was... Uh, not happy with that mm-hmm. and challenged them on it and it ended up going to court and she won and you know I've long heard about that and then after she died I kind of did more research for some reason that wasn't it still isn't 100% clear to me mm-hmm. um, because to me that case seems very specific mm-hmm. uh, which the, the whole extending contracts was something happening to other people as well mm-hmm. uh, that other people were not happy about. For example, people who, actors who went off and fought in World War II, mm-hmm. they, when they came back, their contracts were considered suspended during that time. So instead of maybe being over by when the time they got back, they had to continue on under. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, 
something about her court case kind of ended up kind of ending that whole studio contract system for the mm-hmm. most part. So it was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and Jared Leto, uh, the actor, is actually somehow his he had a band. He has a band. Something I don't know. Uh, I don't pay attention to his life very much. But uh, I was reading now he, he he the 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 Haviland laws they call it mm-hmm. assisted him in something to do with his band in recent years, and he got to tell her that. Oh, interesting. So yeah, very cool. Yeah, but she had uh, success uh, after she, that was all done. She ended up not working for three years while she dealt with all that. But then she came back and and did. Um, um, several movies that ended up kind of, you know, well, a couple of them won her Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, one of them is from 1946 that I've never seen, but I've heard the radio adaptation of uh, called The Dark Mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, there used to be a radio show called Screen Directors Playhouse, and it was all about adapting movies into radio format, usually in 30 or 60 minutes uh, formats. And in fact, there's several movies that I have, I haven't still haven't seen Dark Mirror, but I, I know one movie that I, I heard before I saw, so to speak, was uh, Jimmy Stewart's Call Northside Seven Seven Seven, and it's interesting because these are truncated versions that they did on the radio. They still told the story really well. So now when I watch the movies, I'm like, ah, oh, the movie's too long. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Hopefully that won't be the case with Dark Mirror, but I I, I just want to take a moment to say I loved her performance in the radio version of Dark Mirror because mm-hmm. she plays twin sisters. One is good and one is bad. <laughs> and her voice work that she does to distinguish between the two is just excellent. It could have been very confusing, uh-huh. but uh, it was really, it was quite good. That's cool. Um, another movie that I really love from a little later is um, from 1952, I think. It's My Cousin Rachel. Um, so, you know, she had a sister named Joan Fontaine who um, famously starred in Rebecca, um, directed by um, Alfred Hitchcock. And that was based on a Daphne du Bourne novel. Um, My Cousin Rachel is Olivia de Havilland's Daphne du Maurier movie. Um, it was based on a novel by Daphne du Maurier. And I don't know, it was remade a few years ago. Um, it's not as not as good as the this original film. Yeah, Rachel Weiss was in the Olivia role, right? And um, it's just a really, um, it's another kind of complicated, deceptively complicated performance because she plays a character who um, may or may not have been responsible for the death of Richard Burton's father. Richard and, Burton, who is who in the movie? Um, he plays um, this wealthy heir. To um, yeah, I can't. I can't remember exactly. I think his father was a wealthy landowner, but he was off in Italy with Olivia de Havilland, and he died. And he thinks that she was responsible in some way for his death, and she kind of disappears. But then she she shows up at the at the the estate in England, and Richard Burton, of course, wants nothing to do with her, but. She's again. She plays this character who's so personable and and lovely, and he, of course, we and he falls in love with her. But there's always this level of, you know, there's always this undertone of distrust 
and you, you don't know really until the end what her motives are and if she can be trusted. And it's a, it's a deceptively complicated role and a really good one and a good movie, I think, that mm. a lot of people aren't aware of. Mm. Yeah. Um, backing up three years before that to 1949, um, there's The Heiress, which won her her of second course. Academy Award uh, Best Actress, which we talked about at length in our Criterion episode for The Heiress, which was from July 1st of this year. So we won't belabor that. <laughs> you can go listen to that episode if you want. Uh, but yeah, it's a really good movie. Highly recommend uh, that you watch it. And uh, she's really great in it. It's actually my favorite of her, of her movies. Yeah. Um, kind of moving forward, uh, in, ni- in 1962, she was in a movie, Light in the Piazza. Um, I've seen that on Turner Classic Movies once. Uh, I was not gripped by it, no. but it's an interesting movie. I mean, it takes place, I think, in Italy, and, it, and it's just, she's older in it. I mean, she's not old, old, right? She's in her 40, 40s, mm-hmm. but um, it's, it's interesting. It's, you know, after The Heiress, the 1949, um, I mean, I, I know you talked about My Cousin Rachel, but, and I've, I've actually not seen that version of it, but uh, it, it's inter- her career just kind of started to just, uh, yeah, kind of, fade a little bit mm-hmm. um, which is interesting given yeah. she's coming off a, a second Academy Award but yeah there wasn't a lot available I think for there was a period of time when these kind of classic actresses were not really given good roles mm-hmm. again she was in that place where you know she had fought for the right to be able to pursue good parts she had them for a while but then I think probably ageism um, prevented her from getting a lot of really good roles. Mm-hmm. Um, then we come to 1964, which features a couple of interesting movies, one of which we're talking about in a, another podcast this week, sort of a companion piece to this <laughs> one called Lady in a Cage. Yes. Uh, but then there's also <laughs> Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte, mm. which um, starred, co-starred Betty Davis and was a uh, the second movie that Betty Davis... So Betty Davis and Joan Crawford did Whatever Happened to Baby Jane yeah. in 1962. And then they were supposed to re-team uh, in 1964 uh, to do Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte. I think Joan started to do it then, like, bailed. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that later because uh, <laughs> there's another lawsuit that Olivia Havilland was a part of yeah. uh, just very recently. Uh, this is sort of connected to this. But, no, Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte, I... Um, it might have been one of the first movies that I actually saw Olivia in or paid attention to the fact that she was in. Mm-hmm. It's a really good movie. I, I really like it. It's black and white. Um, she plays, you know, it's been a few years since I've seen it now, but, but uh, Betty Davis is um, sort of a, a good character in this movie, and uh, Olivia de Havilland may not be. Right. Uh, but it's got her and it's got Joseph Cotton. Another good actor from the old uh, old Hollywood, and it has Bruce Dern in it, who's still around, still acting, and is in his eighty eighties. <laughs> Laura Dern's dad, and he's in it very briefly. Although he's very, his character is very pivotal to Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. Yes, uh, but he gets decapitated in the first <laughs> scene uh, in a flashback. So, but he, he yeah, it, it's 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 an interesting movie, very atmospheric. Yeah, I think maybe it was. Maybe the second movie that I saw that had Olivia de Havilland in it. And I was so familiar. Um, I associated her so much with Melanie 
from Gone with the Wind that it was um, quite a surprise to see her in a role that was perhaps not necessarily as nice. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, another, it's another role that has many levels. Um, you never know really whether to trust her or, or mm-hmm. not. Whereas you never felt that with Melanie. I mean, Melanie is completely trustworthy, right? But here, her acting is a little different so that you know that this person is ostensibly a very kind Southern woman, mm-hmm. but there's always this, this, this undertone of something negative potentially lurking there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, looking through her, her filmography, there's a lot of some TV yeah. and some stuff. And then you, you kind of get to the, 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 the mid to late 70s, uh, <laughs> which the next movie we'll talk about is actually a movie that I quite like. And I've watched it a few times. And I have it on Blu-ray. It's called Airport 77. <laughs> so in the 70s, in, in 1970, there was a movie called Airport. And it was based on a book. And it was just pretty much about a disastrous plane uh, ride. Mm-hmm. And it had a lot of film stars in it. And it was successful. So they did, I believe, three more. And they all had sort of different um, disasters befall uh, a plane trip. <laughs> and in Airport 77, which is my favorite of the four or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, the plane gets hijacked, things go wrong, and it ends up falling into the ocean. Mm-hmm. And somehow it's a very shallow part of the ocean. It's only several hundred feet below. <laughs> but you, you, can see it, you can see the plane underwater from the air. Right. Uh, but Olivia de Havilland is a passenger on there. Uh, it's a star-studded cast. Um, Joseph Cotton is in it uh, as well. He plays an old flame of hers. Um, and I, I, uh, I, quite, I quite like it. It's, it's good 70s disaster schlock. Yeah, uh, you know I love Olivia De Havilland, and uh, but I, I will say that in some of these later movies, as much as I love seeing her in them, I always I always chuckle a little bit because her her acting is so it's it feels so broad, you know what I mean, like over the top almost. Even when she's just being saying you know a simple sincere a simple line. She does it with such emotion that I find them to be amusing. But I, I still love her, and I mean, she doesn't ruin a movie ever. Um, she only adds to a movie, I think. But um, it's just interesting to see her performance style change a little bit. Yeah, I'm trying to figure <laughs> out, like, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm envisioning her performance, for example, in The Heiress, mm-hmm. uh, and then, you know, Airport 77. And. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out, so has her style changed, or did she just get older and it's, she's, she's the same, but it just feels different because the movies got smaller maybe. or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but no, that's a, a guilty pleasure movie of mine. And then, speaking of guilty pleasures, yes. the next year, 1978, <laughs> was The Swarm. Yes. Now, that was a movie about um, killer bees from Africa invading. Um, the lower United States, like Texas and whatnot. In fact, I think it all takes place in Texas. But uh, So that was a movie I first watched uh, late night on the USA Channel. I don't even know if USA still exists, but uh, USA Channel. And uh, I watched it because my favorite golden Hollywood era actor is Fred McMurray. And he was in it. And it's actually his last movie. And uh, I was like, okay, I gotta watch this. And Olivia de Havilland's in it. And he, he and Olivia de Havilland and Ben Johnson, 
uh, are in a love triangle, so to speak. That's their subplot in this movie. Uh, and this movie is just terrible. It's awful. It was uh, directed by Irwin Allen, who was in charge of movies like uh, Poseidon Adventure, Earthquake, uh, The Towering Inferno, movies that were um, successful disaster films. And then he kind of went back to the well one too many times, and he, he did The Swarm, and it bombed. And it's easy to see why. Uh, it's a terrible movie. <laughs> and, and not, I mean, for many reasons. One of them is this, you cringe because they kind of go, they kind of go between like calling the bees killer bees, and sometimes just calling them Africans. Yeah. Because they're from Africa. Somehow they made their way to the United States. But sometimes they'll just be talking about, well, the Africans, you know, they're coming, they're attack. And I'm like, well, what are we, what are we talking about here? Um, but Olivia de Havilland's in it. She plays the principal of the, the school. In um, Marysville, <laughs> yeah, um, she ends up getting blown up in a train midway through. <laughs> the movie is just horrible in the way that it sets up all these lovely characters and relationships between them, and then just destroys them in one fell swoop. Exactly. I mean, there's a lot more. There's a lot going on in the movie, but I focus on you know the the love triangle thing, right? Mm-hmm. And there's there's scenes where like Ben Johnson has a scene where he he talks sweet to Olivia, mm-hmm. you know, and gives her flowers and, mm-hmm. and whatnot, and that's nice. And then Fred McMurray has a scene where he does the same thing to her, and mm-hmm. it's just, I think it's a sweet scene. Jerry Goldsmith's score accompanies it. <laughs> I, I love it. Uh, and then not long afterward, the bees attack the town, so they decide to evacuate the town en masse, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the bees have moved on. <laughs> but they decide to put everybody on a train and evacuate. And then the bees attack the train, and the train ends up just sliding off the rails down a hill and blows up. Olivia de Havilland's character is on the train when it blows up. At the, uh, mm-hmm. But between the time it falls off the rails and explodes, uh, both Ben Johnson and Fred McMurray's characters get tossed out the windows. Yes. So, <laughs> that's the swarm. And um, she makes some appearances on the love boat after that <laughs> and is in some TV movies like North and South, book two. If you're of a certain age... You will remember the North and South miniseries. Uh, mm-hmm. There was, I guess, two of them. Um, those were big back then. That's when you know there were um, like uh, Winds of War and mm-hmm. War and Remembrance, uh, and then they had like North and South, yeah. North and South Book Two. Yeah. Was there one called Anastasia? Anastasia, the mystery of Anna. Yeah, that was 1986. So she actually won a Golden Globe for her performance in that in that movie. Interesting. Which I have not seen. Neither have I. And then her last credit is from 1988, uh, a TV movie called The Woman He Loved, where she plays Aunt Bessie. So that's her, that was her 53-year career, 1935 to 1988. Yeah. One of the great screen presents, I think. Yeah. Now, earlier I mentioned um, when we were talking about uh, Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte and um, Joan Crawford and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think it was three years ago, maybe three or four years ago, um, there was a TV miniseries mm-hmm. done. I forget which channel it aired on, but we watched it. It's called Feud. And it was about um, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, right? Uh, they're, they're, yes. They're, they did not get along. Right. And, and yeah. so it centers around the making of... Um, whatever happened, whatever baby, happened to Baby, baby Jane. Jane. Yeah. Um, Susan Sarandon was in it and Jessica Lange mm-hmm. they played the, the, those two actresses um, 
And then Catherine Zeta-Jones was in it um, periodically. Who played? She played Olivia de Havilland. And so this took place primarily in the early 1960s because you know whatever happened to Baby Jane came out in 1962. And uh, you know John Waters even has a cameo in this. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it was it was an interesting miniseries. A bit you know. It was a bit trashy, gossipy. <laughs> Not really my style, but I was kind of curious about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think of all of the people who it represents and portrays, I think Olivia de Havilland was the only one that was still alive, mm-hmm. I think. And she was not happy. Yeah. Because, I mean, in this, in this miniseries, Catherine Zeta-Jones, as Olivia de Havilland, kind of says some snarky, gossipy stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And Olivia de Havilland got her attorneys fired up. Again, this is Olivia de Havilland, who was like, by this time, 100 or 101, <laughs> uh, living in Paris, France. And she said, you know, you all put words in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't say these things that you have Catherine Zeta-Jones saying. And this is not accurate. And I, I, I don't like it. And I'm going to sue you so you can't, you know, do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And it went to like courts and it got appealed and everything. Anyway, she ended up actually losing that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were, were actually... A lot of people, I think, who admired her, you know, especially at her age, doing that. Mm-hmm. But there are also some of those same people were like, this would send shockwaves um, <laughs> throughout uh, the industry because, you know, there's tons of TV shows and films that are about real people. Mm-hmm. And they always take liberties, right? right. I mean, they, they make up scenes or they put dialogue, words into people's mouths that weren't said just for whatever, dramatic effect. Mm-hmm. And you can you can agree with that or not and like it or not, but it's sort of considered artistic license. Mm-hmm. And if I think her she actually won this court case, it would have put a big damper on that. <laughs> yes. So yeah, she ended up losing. Yeah, but it's great to think about how you know even at that advanced age she was willing to put up a fight for what she believed in. Exactly. Certainly exactly. didn't slow down when it came to lawsuits. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, so uh, that's Olivia de Havilland. Um, a, a good career with, uh, with her acting, and then also outside of acting, she, she fought for things that she believed in. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and now she had a long life and um, died in her sleep in Paris, France, at age 104. We should all be so lucky. Yes, yeah. indeed. All right, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you.